The Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking this question. Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? These Pharisees are not fans of Jesus. They're just looking for a way to trap Jesus. They ask a question about divorce. Jesus started talking about marriage. They wanted to talk about a way out. Jesus wanted to talk about a way through. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. The Pharisees, in their attempt to trap Jesus, asked him a question about divorce. Of course, Jesus saw right through the test and instead used their question to speak to the hearts of those who would listen. Well, today, Pastor Trent will begin the Marriage Matter series by helping us understand the right question to ask about marriage. Here's Pastor Trent. It's important as we start a series on marriage that we ask the question, why, before we attempt to answer the question, how. Let me ask you this. What is this? Did you hear all those men? That's a builder square. You give me that, I can build something, right? You know what? You can build a home with this, right? Now, how many of you ladies, you looked at that and said, that is an L. This is an important tool if we're going to build homes. You see, if you're trying to build a home, it it works like this. You assume that the the horizontal is level, right? And if you want a straight wall, you can measure the vertical based on the horizontal. Well, when we're talking about God's view of marriage, we have to understand this as we begin. The biggest fail of the next eight weeks would be this that you would concentrate so much on your horizontal relationship with your husband or your wife or your potential husband or wife that you would come out very unsatisfied horizontally because you forgot to focus on your vertical relationship with God. So we're going to answer the question, why, before we attempt to answer the question, how. Now, open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 19. It's all about Jesus. We're not interested in anybody else's opinion about marriage except Jesus. So let's find out what Jesus has to say about marriage in general. Let's look at it, Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. Now, when Jesus had finished these sayings, underline the words, these sayings. And she's like, wait, 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 they're sayings? We, we need to find out what Jesus said about certain things. Well, let me give you a little summary of chapter 18. Jesus talks about pride and humility. He talks about temptation. He talks about what to do when you're offended. And he talks about forgiveness, So when he had finished these sayings, notice, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. Remember, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Verse 2, and large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Underline the word healed. It has happened so often in the book of Matthew, it may not have gripped you the way it should have. Do you understand what a breathtakingly significant statement that is? That Jesus 
healed them there. People were coming from all around with their dysfunction and their terminal conditions, their hopeless conditions, and they brought them to Jesus and Jesus fixed it. He changed their lives forever. Don't miss the breathtaking significance of verse two. And we're going to come back to it a little later. Look at verse three. And Pharisees, yeah, 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 see, I caught you off guard there. I have a little prompt here. When the villains show up, you have to respond correctly. So I'll give you another run at that. Verse three, and Pharisees, yeah, here they come. The Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking this question. Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 6. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined. Underline those three words. God has joined. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Well, here come the Pharisees, and they've caught a question for Jesus. Now, let's understand something about the question. As a matter of fact, we're, we're not even really going to get to the answer much today. We're going to talk about the answer uh, next week. Let's talk about this question that the Pharisees asked. First of all, let's, let's put this idea up. Who's asking? Who's asking the question about marriage? It was the Pharisees. Now, anytime you start a series on marriage, I want... I want you to understand, I recognize that not everybody I'm talking to right now is married. I get that. But I want, there's about 10 categories of people in here right now. Uh, if you call my house and my 12-year-old daughter picks up the phone and you ask, can I speak to Pastor Trent? She's going to ask you a question. What's it going to be? Who's calling, please? And based upon who you are, she's either going to hand me the phone or she's going to pretend I'm not there. <laughs> We've trained her this way, okay? It's important to understand who's asking the question here. You see, these Pharisees are not fans of Jesus. There is antagonists. And they really aren't that concerned about divorce and marriage. They're just looking for a way to trap Jesus. So it's important to know who's asking the question. Let's talk about who's here today. Who's, who's asking the questions today? In this room, who's asking questions about marriage? Well, there's some people here today who are married and you're getting closer. I mean, these are the people we all want to be like. Now, there's not a perfect marriage, but you're moving together and, and, and you're at least still on talking terms and, and you've raised children and, and, and this is working out for you, okay? We all want to be like that. However, there are nine other categories of people here today. There are people here who are married, but you're drifting apart. As a matter of fact, it may have been a long time since you've ever actually felt close. You're living at the same address, but maybe you're even living in opposite bedrooms or opposite ends of the house. There are some people here in crisis. We don't even know if you're going to be married next week. You're in the right place. Okay, so we don't have a prize for you, but one day uh, we would like to give you a prize, okay? And you can be like these people. Here, here's another group of people. There are newlyweds here. Now, the thing about the newlyweds is they're sitting here going, we don't need this series. 
We're perfect, right? And they're, you know, you can always tell the newlyweds, you know, they're sitting, there's no distance between them, you know, and she's rubbing the back of his hair and he's like, oh, I love coming to church, you know, and all this. And like, they're actually sitting in the same chair, you know, it's like, we didn't even need two chairs for you. So uh, you can always identify those people. Now, there are other people here today who are engaged. Is there anybody here engaged? Hold up those wedding rings or those engagement rings, okay? Great, fantastic. And um, they're looking forward to this. Here's another group of people. And uh, there, there are single people here who would like to be like them and like them. There, there are kind of two categories of, of single people here. It's single, never married, and uh, you're, you're searching or you're trying to be searched for. And uh, you would like to be in the category, and maybe the number one prayer request on the top of your prayer list is, God, send me a mate. We get that. We get that. Um, There are other people here. You're single, and you may be a little cynical because the wait has taken so long, and it's like, oh, eight weeks on a marriage series. I'm not going to come to church. I'm going to the church down the street because I don't want to be reminded that I'm single. Okay, now listen, listen, stay in, stay in. 91% of people in this country will be married at some point in their life. And so you may be, this may be preparation for you. Um, or I would challenge you with this. Did you know the two greatest champions for marriage in the New Testament were both single? Jesus. So if you're single, you're more like Jesus than married people. Everything about that? And the Apostle Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, okay? And they both said, we want to cheer on marriage, and we need you to cheer us on during this time. And because we're married and we're not so much like Jesus, us married people, we need a little extra help, okay? So we're going to give some focus to it during this time. There's another group of single people here. They're single again. And that has a couple of categories. There's widows. And maybe you were married for so long and you miss your mate so much. We understand that. God has compassion. The Old Testament, the Bible actually says, God is the husband to the widow. And he's a better husband than you ever had or a better wife. He can meet those deep needs in your heart that even a spouse couldn't meet. There are other people here, you're single again because of a of a divorce that took place. And you're like, oh man, that just brings up so much pain and Listen, this is a series to understand maybe what was not right in that marriage and maybe some choices that weren't made correctly or maybe how to process with grace something that happened to you that you didn't want to happen. So there are some people here asking about marriage in that category. Here's another category. There are people here who are remarried. You're not in your first marriage. You're not even in your third marriage. Maybe in your fourth marriage. I just want to say that whether you're in your first marriage or your fifth marriage, We're committed to making this your last marriage, okay? So there's some remarried people here, and you have special issues because there's bio mom living with stepdad, and we have bio children who visit stepmom, and all these different connections, and it's just hard. And we're going to talk about marriage even to those people. Here's another category of people. There are people here, I would guess who are pretending to be married. You're not married. You've never made an irrevocable promise. You've never exchanged vows, but you're living together. And you're enjoying the physical benefits that married people should enjoy. And God has some things to say 
to you about marriage. Some people say, well, we don't need a piece of paper to show that we love each other and that we're married. Yes, you do. <laughs> well, why is that? Like, we're, we're married in God's eyes. No, you're fornicating in God's eyes. That's what you're doing, okay? And you need to understand the value that God places on marriage. And for your good, you need to understand the purpose of marriage. Here's another one. There are people here today who struggle with a same-sex attraction, kind of in two categories. Some people are like, man, I do not understand why, but I can't deny that it's happening. I don't like it. I don't want it to be there. I don't know what to do about it. I know it's not even right, but it's a reality. And you're going to talk about marriage? There are other people here that uh, have that, and they've struggled for so long, they've just resigned themselves to the fact, and they say things like this. Well, God just made me this way. And we're going to look at what the Scripture says God really does make. So hang in there, stay there. You're not going to be condemned. We're going to help. Here's another group of people. In this room right now, there's a group of people just like the people that came and asked Jesus the question on divorce and marriage. There are some Pharisees here. Yeah, you're only supposed to boo when we actually read it in the Scripture, okay? It makes it a little hard to preach when you're always booing at me. I think, what are these people are booing? You know what a Pharisee is? A Pharisee is a self-righteous, religious person who is always looking for the faults of others. Some of you are married to a Pharisee. Some of the reason that you are drifting apart is because you're acting like a Pharisee. So it's important to know who's asking the question. Jesus gives an answer with a proper understanding of who's asking the question. So here's, a, here's another thing is, why are they asking the question? We know why they're asking the question. Did you see it there in verse 3? They ask a question to test him. And unlike your algebra teacher in high school, they did not want him to pass the test. They were looking for a reason to flunk him, to disqualify him, and to eliminate him. And so... They were asking for a wrong motive, and Jesus knew it. They really didn't want to know about marriage. They just were looking for a way to eliminate Jesus as a threat to their own kingdom. And then we need to ask this, what were they asking? They were asking a question about divorce. Wrong question. Now, the Bible has some things to say about divorce. We're going to get to those. We're not going to actually unpack those today. You keep coming. We'll talk about that. But they were asking the wrong question. The, re the reason we know they were asking the wrong question is because Jesus doesn't answer their question. They ask a question about divorce. Jesus started talking about marriage. They wanted to talk about a way out. Jesus wanted to talk about a way through. And so... It's important to know what they were asking. Their question was an attack on the biblical teaching of marriage. And their question was minimizing God's perspective on marriage. And you and I need to understand this. Point number one of the message. My marriage is being minimized. 
You live in a culture right now that is attempting to minimize your marriage. Think about it. Is there anything going on in our culture today that is helping two people come together and have a lifelong, enduring commitment to marriage? Anything happening in the movies you watched this weekend? Anything happening on the television programs you watched this weekend that made you come away? It's like, marriage is awesome. That's just, I'm going to stay with the same person. I was like, nothing on that TV looked, you know, like something I'd want to be a part of. No, it's minimizing marriage. How about in the educational system? How about in the political realm? Are things going on in the political realm or even the economic realm to smash two people together in a permanent bond and encourage you to stay with it? No, marriage is being minimized from the outside. And as a result, we're seeing things happen. There's more divorce. The divorce rate today is nearly twice what it was in 1960. About 45% of marriages end in divorce. That figure is twice as high. You're twice as likely to be divorced in a second marriage. So there's more divorce. Back in the 1960s, the laws were relaxed, allowing for no-fault divorce. And that's when our culture began to unravel. Families began to disintegrate. So there was more divorce, and then now we have less marriage. Over 72% of American adults were married in 1960, but today, less than 50% of adults in America are married. Only 49% of adults in America are currently married. You know what that means? There's more single people in America than married people. Less divorce. Why would we want to get married? It didn't work out for our parents. Why would we want to go through that for us? There's more children living without their parents today as a result of the minimization of marriage. In 1970, 89% of all births were to married couples. Today, only 60% of births are to the original father and the mother. That means that only 27% of children will grow up with their original father biologically and original mother biologically. Now, we understand that adoption is a wonderful, redemptive way to speak into some of these things and to even heal some of those relationships. But God, God's intention is that the children would grow up with their father and their mother. And so this is the way it's changing. As recently as 1980, only 13% of children of moderately educated mothers were born outside of marriage, but by the late 2000s, this figure rose to 44% of children born outside of wedlock. There's more pessimism about marriage. The Pew Research Forum revealed through a study that almost 40% of Americans believe that marriage is obsolete as a concept, as an institution. Our, our culture's progressive, and so we just kind of need some kind of new understanding about how to do relationships. Marriage, that, that's old-fashioned. The pessimism is driven by the common knowledge that almost half of marriages end in divorce. And while this is true, by far the greatest percentage of divorces happen to those who marry before the age of 18, who have dropped out of high school, and who have had a baby together before marriage. 
So if you're a reasonably well-educated person with a decent income, you come from an intact family and you are spiritually minded and you marry after 25 without having a baby first, your chances of divorce are tiny. There's all the other social pressures and all the other dysfunctions that are contributing to the fact that people are more pessimistic about marriage. You say, well, what, you know, if, if half of marriage is in divorce, think about all the marriages that stay together, but they're so unhappy. Is that really true? One study said that 75% of all marriages that reported they were either unhappy or extremely unhappy, 75% of those marriages, five years later, if they stayed together, reported they were either happy or extremely happy. You press through the hard times. You don't give up. The, The bottom line is this marriage is good for you. Married people live longer. They're physically healthier. They show fewer signs of mental illness. They make more money. They build more wealth. They have better sex more often than those who are single and divorced. Divorced men are twice as likely as married men to die from heart disease, stroke, hypertension, and cancer. The impact of divorce on your health is like starting to smoke a pack of cigarettes every day. The chances of a middle-aged married man reaching his 65th birthday, 9 in 10. The chances of a middle-aged single or divorced man making it to his 65th birthday, 6 in 10. Marriage is good for you. We're trying to keep you alive here, people. All right? Marriage is good. Don't be so pessimistic about it. Good. God created a good thing when he created marriage. And then marriage is being minimized from the outside through a redefinition of marriage. Let me put a definition of marriage up on the screen here. You tell me if you see any flaws in it. I I, I pulled it out of a Harvard Law Review book that kind of defined the culture's definition of marriage. Marriage is the union of two people who commit to romantically loving and caring for each other and sharing the burdens of domestic life. It is conditioned on the intense feelings the couple has for one another. Some of you are saying, oh, yes, that's what I'm looking for. Bad news. What's missing from that definition? There's no legal recognition of it. There's no indication of whether the, the, the participants are male or female, there's no promise or commitment, there's nothing about children, which is the natural outflow of two people coming together in marriage. We're going to have a better definition by the time this message is over. Just hang on. But please recognize marriage is being minimized from the outside. Now, some of you are like, okay, yawn, yawn, yawn. I don't, I don't live in California. And you know what's happening in California, right? In 2008... A proposition was brought to popular vote, the the voters in the state of California, and Proposition 8 was passed, which added this line to the state constitution. Only a marriage between a man and a woman is valid or will be recognized in California. That statement was challenged legally. It made its way through the court systems all the way up to the Supreme Court, Just last month, the Supreme Court heard arguments on both sides as to whether or not that statement is constitutional. And in June, the Supreme Court will hand down its decision. 
If they rule that statement is unconstitutional, in essence, we will see a redefinition of marriage in our country and probably a legalization of same-sex marriage in every state. Right now, nine states have legalized same-sex marriage. The culture is changing so fast. If that decision is to make that statement unconstitutional, then we will be living in a land where same-sex marriage is recognized and legal. Now, however the Supreme Court decides they want to define marriage, it does not trump God's law on the matter. So we need to understand as Christians, we're talking about the Christian biblical view of marriage. You say, okay, well, that, I don't even care what's going on. It's about me and the person sitting next to me, and, and my marriage is not minimized. Careful. Yes, it is. It's not only threatened and minimized from the outside, it is threatened and minimized from the inside as well. Look back at your Bible. In verse 3, again, the question is so important. The Pharisees came to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce? Just stop right there. Is it lawful to, for divorce? What were these guys looking for? They were looking for a loophole. They were looking for a way out. Wrong question. You see, you minimize marriage when you ask, is it lawful to divorce? That shouldn't even be in the vocabulary when you're presenting the, the options here at the beginning as we talk about marriage. You see, it reveals something about their idea of marriage. Their idea of marriage was what we'll call a performance-based relationship. If you're in a performance-based relationship, you know what you're going to do? You're going to be a scorekeeper. You're going to be a rule keeper, and you're going to try to outperform your spouse. And as long as you're outperforming your spouse, you're nicer, you're kinder, you're more sacrificial, you're more forgiving, and you point your finger at the failures of all the things that they're doing, all the laws they're breaking, then you're going to feel justified in pursuing a way out with the person who's losing. And you are going to emphasize a performance-based relationship. Wrong question. Don't ask, is it lawful to, for divorce? Here's a better option. Embrace a grace-based relationship with your spouse and ask this question. Is it graceful to forgive and forbear? Are you going to have a marriage based on law? Really? Really? That's what you want? You want to be a scorekeeper? Or, you, or do you want to be a grace finder? And ask, is the grace of God required for my spouse to live with me? Do I want grace from my spouse? Do I want them to forgive and forbear? I know I'm not perfect. Then I've got to mirror that back to them. Shortly after Pastor Trent Griffith originally preached this message in April of 2013, the Supreme Court of the United States declined to rule on the merits of the case involving California's Proposition 8, saying that those defending it did not have the legal standing to do so. On June 26, 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that all state bans on same-sex marriage were unconstitutional, making gay marriage legal in all 50 states. While this ruling demonstrates Pastor Trent's first point in the message, 
Biblical marriages are being minimized and threatened from the outside as well as from the inside. I hope you'll join us next week for the conclusion of Pastor Trent's message that brings his second point, that each marriage has a maker. Today, Pastor Trent described nine categories that we might fall into. Regardless of where you find yourself, we'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekly worship services. For service times and locations at either our Granger, Indiana campus or our St. Joseph, Michigan campus, visit us online at harvestgranger.org. Well, thanks again for joining us today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and I hope that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger, harvestgranger.org.